2: It's Bigfoot Collector's
3: Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this.
4: ding a ding
5: Hey guys, it's a BCC special. The first of what will become a tradition on the other side of our Patreon wall. Mm -hmm. This is your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host... What's up? I'm Bryce Johnson. And producer... Riley Bray. Hey, guys. What's up? Hey, Hey, so this is a first BCC... (laughs) BCC... It's a first (laughs) BCC... What's the name of our show? You got it. Bigfoot Collectors Club. BCC Special. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is a sample of the type of bonus programming you're going to get after we launch our official Patreon page on March 28th. Yeah, write it down in your calendar. It's going down. So listen, our show, our main feed is going to stay the same. You're still going to get your free episodes with all your favorite guests. You're going to get the occasional L-Files episode where we read your mail. But when we launch our Patreon, you're going to get anywhere from, I'd say, two to three. Four bonus episodes a month, sure, and some other bonus content on the Patreon page itself that you will not be able to get access to anywhere else. Yeah, and they're very a little
1: different from the yeah, regular show. And we're going to start
5: off real small, guys. If you want access to the bonus content, it's going to be like five bucks a month. That's a cup of coffee at Starbucks with a little banana. So we're going to make it worth it. And uh, this episode today, we are covering the seventy fifth anniversary of the Battle of L.A. Yeah. Now, do you guys know about this?
1: Yeah, oh, sure. Vastly familiar. They made a big film about it about 10 years ago, which was a little off the topic of really what it was but
5: wasn't that like a? it was called battle la battle la and yeah. it was a just it was kind of like a video game yeah it was very much a video it was a game. futuristic i mm-hmm. never saw it. my dad loves that movie oh, does he really he brings it up all the time he's like no the movie you need to see is battle la <laughs> And i was like well to be fair it does involve aliens and it's loosely based on a historic event that yeah, is fascinating
1: loosely to say the least i mean yeah loose is right
5: yeah riley uh, and i uh last weekend so here's the thing uh february 24th was marked the 75th anniversary of the historic battle of la or otherwise known as the great los angeles air raid and riley and i had the pleasure of going down to the fort MacArthur museum uh on that night on saturday the 24th and we got to visit a reenactment
4: of the air raid. Yeah, it was the first, uh, first BCC field trip. It was, and we have a field report. <laughs> At
5: the end of this episode, we're going to play for you uh audio from uh from from the show or from the reenactment we also got to chat with um tyson smith aka maiden voyage clothing company uh which was really awesome uh to get a moment to pull him aside and talk to him about his work the patches you've seen uh on our instagram feed and on our logo and uh he had a really cool t-shirt called the battle of la which i realize right now i should be wearing i had that
4: set aside michael but,
5: Dude. I blew it. I'll po- I'll post a picture of me posing in it, real sexy, for when this episode <laughs> drops. Yeah,
4: it was great to talk to him there because you know I I think you and I both went into that expecting a lot of uh, other paranormal enthusiasts. Yeah, who were few and far between. That's, yeah, not That's so the... much, huh?
5: It turned out to be a military fanboy occasion not so much a ufo fanboy occasion
1: yeah which um, one you guys told me about i mean i was kind of shocked i mean I, when you told me there was a 75th anniversary i mean i thought that was going to be all it was about yeah. well, for sure that's what i was you know the next yeah. roswell like convention that's or what we thought too yeah.
5: it wasn't but before we get to that <laughs> let's talk about the act what the hell the actual thing being reenacted, thing reenacted was okay so The Battle of L.A. On February 24th, 1943, just three months after Pearl Harbor was attacked by Japan and the U.S. entered World War II, a strange incident occurred over the skies of Los Angeles, California, our hometown. Mm-hmm. In the pre-dawn hours of February 25th, 1943, sirens blared as an unidentified craft was witnessed flying over Santa Monica and Culver City. Searchlights swept the night skies, and the Army and Navy fired thousands of 12-pound artillery shells into the air, causing panic and excitement throughout the city. A small number of Angelinos would not live to see the day. The enemy aircraft was never identified. The Army and Navy had contradictory reports in the days that followed, and the story remains one of the weirdest and wildest mass UFO sightings in American history. That's right. And yet, the incident seems to get much less attention than other classic UFO stories like the Roswell crash or the Phoenix Lights. This wasn't just rumor or unidentified lights floating in the sky. This was a full-on anti-aircraft assault taking place in a massive American city. So let's listen now to the radio report of that incident.
2: News of the world, Wednesday, February 25th. Once again, Columbia's correspondents in world capitals and the fighting zones in the Western Pacific are ready to give you the latest news, direct by shortwave radio. And now for news of our own West Coast, we take you to Los Angeles and the report of Byron Palmer. Anti-aircraft guns went into action against unidentified aircraft in the Los Angeles area shortly after 3 a.m. Pacific wartime this morning. The anti-aircraft guns began barking during a blackout ordered by the 4th Interceptor Command at 2.25 a.m. The unidentified object which some sources thought might be a blimp, moved slowly down the Pacific coast from Santa Monica and disappeared south of Long Beach. Army officials declined to comment on the possibility that the object might have been a blimp. However, it required nearly 30 minutes to travel some 25 miles, far slower than an airplane. Watchers on the rooftop of the Columbia Broadcasting Building in the heart of Hollywood could plainly see the flashes of guns and searchlights sweeping the skies in a white arc along the coastal area. Concussion of the shells could be felt in downtown Los Angeles, 15 miles away. U.S. Army planes quickly took to the dark skies, but whether they contacted the object has not been announced. Army officials say they will not comment until they receive a full report of the action. Although some watchers say they saw airplanes in the air, Semi-official sources say they probably were the U.S. Army's pursuit. Several observers say they saw one or more planes spotlighted by 20 or 30 searchlights. The object moved southward, presumably over Huntington Park at the western edge of Los Angeles, and on southward to about Long Beach on the coast. By 3.30 a.m., observers said the object appeared to be over the south of Long Beach. Searchlights closely followed the object down the coast and kept it centered in their glare. Shells frequently could be seen bursting near the object, but none appeared to hit it. The shooting stopped about 3.30 a.m. The shooting brought warfare to the front door of this city of a million and a quarter population for the first time since December 7th. Already, it was alert to the presence off the Southern California coast of a Japanese submarine which had pumped 25 shells into an oil field north of Santa Barbara Monday evening. Because of the presence of the submarine, a three-hour alert was ordered at dusk last night, and civilian authorities stood at their posts while the Army and Navy continued their search for the submersible. The evening alert ended at 10.23 p.m., but another was sounded at 2.22 a.m., and the blackout followed within three minutes. It covered Los Angeles County from Santa Monica to Pomona. At 2.27, all Southern California radio stations were ordered off the air except those in San Diego. Approximately 20 minutes after the firing died down, the ship returned and headed westward from Long Beach toward Santa Monica. The guns went into action again, hurling round after round of shells at the object. The second barrage appeared to be closer to downtown Los Angeles since watchers could hear the concussion of the guns more clearly and the flash of bursting shells was brighter. Then the ship disappeared for the second time over the ocean. We return you now to CBS in New York.
1: Wow.
5: Isn't that insane? That
2: is so insane. That is a
5: mainstream news, uh, mainstream media at the time, CBS Radio Report, yeah, calling this thing an unidentified flying object, essentially calling it a ship. Saying that it looked like a blimp, but they couldn't get confirmation that it was a blimp or not.
1: Moving down the coast.
5: And saying that shells were exploding around the craft, but not making contact with it. Now, yeah. to Amazing. me, that sounds a fuck lot like a force field. Yeah, yeah.
1: no doubt about it. And uh, and, and they uh, sent up fighter planes, too. A lot of witnesses said they saw, you know...
5: Well, this is really
1: interesting,
5: and uh, we might get back into this, but um, supposedly the military said that they did not scramble any planes that night. Right. And what's interesting, though, that people witnessed other crafts flying through the sky. So some people think that it might have been a mothership and then other smaller UFOs flying around and that what we thought were planes, our planes were actually other tiny UFOs flying around. I think it might
1: have been both. You know, Secretary of War Henry Stimson said, the air raid alert was caused by the presence of some 15 aircraft whose origins remain a mystery. He suggested the Japanese may have used commercial airplanes in an effort to create panic and were psychological warfare on the country. Simpson later backpedaled his claims, but there were many civilians and even military personnel who did see fighters in the sky that night.
5: Yeah, and we had just recently been attacked, Santa Barbara, two days before by a Japanese submarine right. off the coast. It, you can hear it in the report, they shelled like a fuel station or yeah, something. Yeah, I guess there
1: was little damage, but still everybody was on high
5: alert right yep, after that. yep. And the Navy released a statement the next day saying that the military had been firing at nothing. Yeah, that this whole display was a case of the jitters amped up <laughs> by that uh, previous Japanese attack.
4: I find that harder to believe than a UFO. It's just honestly. a bunch of jitters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we well, were nervous, so we shot twelve thousand times. Well, and it's—I
5: think it is one of the first times that. Um, We actually had to, after Pearl Harbor, because this is, you have to remember, it was just three months after Pearl Harbor, Mm -hmm. that like anyone on the U.S. mainland actually scrambled to prevent an, an airborne attack. And, but here's the thing, no bombs were dropped by whatever this thing was. Yeah. Um, but they said that you know, a lot of it could have been jitters because everyone was just like, Holy shit, well, we're having another Pearl Harbor here in Los Angeles, and people overreacted.
1: Well, there was a consequence to shooting in the sky, too, because not only that, the military brought nothing down from the sky, but shrapnel fell on mm-hmm. the city, damaging hundreds of buildings and cars. Not only that, they reported three deaths from car crashes right yeah. after the blackout and two deaths of heart, attack. heart attacks. So yeah. five people actually died that night as a result. Yeah. So this is something that, uh, you know, you, you can't really take lightly from just firing off a couple rounds into the sky. You yeah. Know?
5: So listen, after the war, uh, the army released a contradictory statement to the Navy saying that it had been one of our weather balloons, other theories claim that the Japanese had sent a battle balloon over Los Angeles. However, no bombs, like I said, were dropped. And whatever we fired at did not fire back. Now, there's an iconic photo published on the cover of the L.A. Times the day after the incident. We posted it a couple weeks ago on our Instagram feed, mm-hmm. When uh, actually on this uh, anniversary. yeah. Uh, so if you go back and check around February 24th, 25th, you'll see it. Um. The photo, and we'll put it up again too. But the photo depicts spotlights aimed at what clearly looks like a classic flying saucer shape. But the photos were retouched, as was always the custom at the time. For it was printing. a common practice, yeah, because right. the printing process back then wasn't as uh, crystal clear as we have now. So, but uh, so in have, the retouched right. photo, the disc-shaped craft is much um, or. In, in, in the one that wasn't retouched, the disc-shaped craft is much less present, like in the original negative. I ha- Do you have that photo right there?
1: No, well, it says, it says the negative was underexposed, a problem that's typical of photos taken at night. And to make the image more suitable for print, the Times Photo Department copied and retouched the negative, which was a common and accepted practice. The print from the original negative was published in the paper's first edition, but subsequent editions featured the heavily enhanced version of the photo with improved contrast. Um, but just looking at the photo, it's like, if you imagine like if a big mothership had a UFO force field, what would happen if you're sending up artillery shells, they're going to explode at the force field, which mm -hmm. is exactly what this picture, uh, looks like to me.
5: Yeah. And and before you go like, well, that explains that the photos retouched to look like a flying saucer. Just consider this. The term flying saucer, while it was in existence since 1930, was not a wildly popular term in 1943. Three. That actually didn't really take hold in the public consciousness until after American aviator Kenneth Arnold's wildly reported UFO sighting uh, hit the press on June twenty
1: fourth, nineteen forty seven. Yeah, that's right. A witness, uh, Scott Littleton, described it as a lozenge, a lozenge, yeah, exactly. a long oval, and it was caught in the searchlight beams. So my
5: th- question is, why would the photo processing department, or whatever you call it, at the L.A. Times, retouch the image to look like something that wasn't yet a pop culture? reference or icon so maybe they were just highlighting what was already
4: in the photo yeah well which also, was it sounds, saucer. it sounds like they weren't like airbrushing or adding anything they were just increasing the exposure well i think they contrast. did paint
5: i did i do think they take white paint and to to br- to highlight the uh, the searchlight beams in it and paint the whiter parts of it but but if you look at the original negative and then the one that was published everything that is white or supposed to be those light beams mm-hmm it's all consistent they didn't add anything well and let's to put it, it. into
1: context with the thousands of hundreds it's just of early thousands of
5: photoshop to bring the contrast out that's right, what they were yeah. doing well, sure. and,
1: and you know you put it into context with the hundreds of thousands of witnesses who reported what they saw and uh you know uh, so you you put the whole story together and yeah it's a photo of what was happening uh, but when you you line it up with what these people were saying they saw and also the military's own account of uh of what they were, their actions. I mean, it, it's a horror it's a crazy story. Well, and yeah. we
5: have like, it's so weird too, because here we go. It's like weather balloon. How many again. times have we heard weather balloon? And this Swamp is pretty gas. Roswell. Yeah. It's so yeah. stupid. It's, it's just like, it's not stupid. I get that, you know, it's just like the military. It's, it's also funny that the, like the Navy and the army completely contradict themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, that one, one says they we're shooting at nothing. The other said it was some type of balloon. blimp. Right. Um, I found a Los Angeles uh, Times article from February 24th, 1992, and I read that the L.A. County Sheriff helped the government arrest Japanese American citizens thought to have been signaling the craft that night something which he was later ashamed of once he learned that the military's official take on this incident was that it was much ado about nothing. You know, widespread stories of false Japanese attacks certainly did not help the plight of the Japanese-American citizens who were rounded up into U.S. internment camps during the war. (laughs) So those are other (laughs) casualties of this, too. Um, And Japan, um, after World War II, said that they were not flying any... They didn't fly anything out yeah. over the states during that time.
1: What's crazy to me is, I mean, you know, you put this up against the story of, of the something like the Phoenix Lights. If you're not familiar, it was like a, a giant craft, somewhat similar to this flying over the a city of boomerang Phoenix. Craft. Mass yeah, yeah. O- yeah, only the thing is, is, you know, the American government didn't panic and send up
5: start fire jets and start at shooting <laughs> yeah. at it, you know? Would you understand why they would? I mean, I would hope... High her, tension. Her, 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 yeah. It just happened. We were at war. They they responded exactly how they needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it was a case of the jitters, then they royally fucked up. Yeah. And
4: I mean, it, on that note, though, it's like in a it, they're at wartime. Like twelve thousand shells of anti uh, aircraft artillery. Like that's very valuable stuff. They're not is. just going to flippantly fire that. Yeah. off at yeah, nothing. that's right. No, no, like, no. And
5: that's the other thing is they were like they, they were embarrassed because it was such a waste of artillery. Right. Ultimately. Unless there was a freaking <laughs> mothership flying over, yeah. and you know, yeah. I, I get, I get it, but um, and the I fact don't know. that it
4: reappears too in that news report, hearing exactly. that it shows up again, it at shows up again, and then yeah. it heads
5: back out over the ocean, which is out near Catalina, yeah, which is you know, and out near the part of the Pacific down here in so- SoCal where there have we people have seen a lot of USOs submerge and come out of the water, um, so the, you know, there's theories that there's like some sort of underwater, um. Uh, USO is the Unidentified Submerged Mm -hmm. Object. So a UFO becomes a USO once it goes underwater, and they think that there are some hidden bases down there where these, uh, whatever these craft are, are hanging out.
1: Well, in this, you know, a a lot of these, a lot of the great UFO cases um, seem to always take place around military bases or... uh, sometimes, you know, having to do with uh, heightened conflicts of war. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, we did drop the atomic bomb on Japan um, a little bit later. I'm not, you know, trying to connect dots here, but I, when you put it all together, it's just, it's very strange. Well, know? think about it this
5: way. If, let's say, and we've theorized about this before, let's say that whatever this higher intelligence is, is whether it's a an alien race or an interdimensional race or some ancient race that has been here or us from the future come back in time to Mm -hmm. study civilization they're going to be very interested in how the human species is waging war yeah that's right Mm -hmm. you know what i mean that would it would be like you know we've we've had um zoologists and anthropologists, um, anthropo- anthropologists. Anthropologists. Anthropologists, <laughs> geez. They've, you know, there's like that great stuff like uh, when you read about like the chimpanzee tribes that wage war. Like this is yeah. something, this is part of studying an animal species. Human beings are animals. Yeah, You're going to be like, all right, let's see how these guys fight. Also, if you're paying attention to a civilization that might one day make that intergalactic step you are studying a potential enemy or threat, you know? Yeah. Okay, if these are warring uh, people. Let's uh, let's study and see what they do. Well, and, let, see.
1: and let's not forget, too, there was no return fire. I mean, there was, you know, no shots fired from whatever craft this was or no sort of uh, munitions laid from them either. Yeah. So they were just yeah. kind of like floating above with their force field saying, all right, let's see what these guys do, you know? Well, and that, that was the
5: thing they thought that possibly the... Um, that the japanese had sent some type of decoy balloon over la to sort of see where our anti um aircraft artillery stations were you know they were they were they were sending a test to see what we had sure it's a plausible theory it's a, i mean it is looked a submarine for made the it whole force dis- field part well yeah. except for the part that yeah. like except right. for the part that we didn't shoot the fucking thing down yeah like, Pounding it with all of this heavy art like I'm sorry, you can shoot. Someone would have shot that. Well, and thing if the military down. was going to yeah.
1: back up that foe, they do like the Jesse Marcel and make him pose with some exactly. weather balloon material. Oh, right. this is the material that came and down. They we got from it from their mistakes.
5: <laughs> yeah, Roswell, were are showing like, oh, we we need to have some sort of thing to back this up. Yeah. It's crazy. I love how these
1: news stories get ahead of the official government Exactly. Reaction, Same you know? thing
5: happened at Roswell. They got the official story the first time, mm-hmm. and then they couldn't take it back, so they started the cover-up. Yeah. And we have all the telltale signs of a classic cover-up with this. And it's just one of those
1: cool things. You listen to that original radio report, and it's all right there i know the more you look at this account there's like so much here i mean i mean this is about as big as the phoenix phoenix lights and and something as roswell but it seems to have lost its place in in the mythos and the history of ufo lore and well, uh, like as, also, well as you guys talked about, you went there on the seventy fifth anniversary, and they just they just blew right over the fact of what this thing possibly could have right. been. You and know?
5: you think about it, this happened at the beginning of the war, so it's overshadowed by everything else sure. that's to come. Well, of course, so it's very you know it's three months after Pearl Harbor, which was still a big deal. I mean, that was obviously that was the nine yeah. eleven event, no yeah. doubt. And then you have. Uh, the rest of the war that follows, it's very easy to forget about this one thing that happened in an age before there was internet and massive TV and mm-hmm. 24, you know, and, and during a time when the American people trusted the government and trusted the military when they said it was nothing. Absolutely. And then
4: they just move on. Yeah, they had to. I mean, it was, the war that was going on was just so yeah, Exactly. Horrific. That's but, what I'm saying. Like, yeah. you,
5: they're, they're not focusing on the, like, Look at what happened recently. Like we're we're living in tumultuous political times right now. And the Pentagon came out in December with a story saying that they have been studying and tracking uh unidentified, probably alien craft. For decades, yeah. Now, yeah, and no one stopped to pay attention to it because we're living in a cycle where whatever Trump says and does takes over the news. I, I mean,
4: know, I couldn't believe how quickly that story, story
5: forever, yeah. and no one is talking about it. I know, it, yeah. It's and if you go listen to guys after you're done listening to this, go look for, go look for the um New York Times Daily podcast from December eighteenth. Um, of 2017 listen to that podcast it is insane the stuff that they talk about if you were into ufos if you're any on any side of the conspiracy theory on ufos listen to this
4: it's insanity, uh, and it's the New York and, Times. It's not like some fringe yeah. organization. Well,
5: and they describe, and and these are all military guys. These are all former yeah. Pentagon guys. This is these are senators, and, and, yeah, the, and the, funded
1: by Senator Harry Reid. Yeah, yeah,
5: basically because he um, had spoken to other senators across the aisle. By the way, this was a bipartisan um, effort. Who had flown in the Korean War, World War II? Had flown, you know, these guys had. Uh, some of these senators had served and seen these objects when they flew planes. They're like, I would absolutely fund a, a, a black <laughs> black well, book operation to study these things.
1: My favorite thing that came out of that was the was the radio communications between the jet the young jet fighter pilots watching and observing this thing. No going, shit, what the fuck is this, man? Yeah. We're following it. Uh, it's moving. It literally it's changing. sounds like us. Yeah, <laughs> <flying> no. <away. laughs> what the fuck is that? I we know. It's true. You know. Here's another. Here's another witness uh, of the Battle of Los Angeles. Bill Tompkins, who was 17 years old at the time, said he saw a very large round vehicle at about seven to eight thousand feet. It just moved in and stopped right above us. Mm. He claimed to have seen the artillery shells explode against the bottom of the craft. Causing no apparent damage. And he said the saucer wasn't alone. There were other vehicles smaller that were coming and moving around it and moving above it. And then the. How many well, times have we seen. Those could be the, uh, the planes that people thought they saw. Or part of the mothers. How many times have we seen UFO videos? Well, I have, but yeah. of uh, of these strange UFO crafts where little orbs are, are coming plopping in. plopping out of plopping them. in, plopping out. It
5: looks like a hen laying eggs. Yeah, it's, it's just true. Like, I just watched one of those this weekend. It was freaking me out. So strange, I know.
1: Man, incredible. Yeah. It, I just love the way they also Los Angeles. Los totally. A- I know. Down What's here it? in Los Angeles. We got to bring that back. I know. I know. We got to Los Angeles. Old Tommy Continental uh, <laughs> yeah. we we're, we're <laughs> That was great though, but what a what a what a fascinating yeah, case. Yeah, they
5: said uh the other thing about the lozenge. I think the lozenge shape is actually brought up in that uh New York Times report. They said they see a lozenge-shaped craft, and then they have one they call the Tic Tac because mm-hmm. it's a yeah, white-glowing right. craft that
1: looks like a Tic Tac. Yeah, same as those cigar-shaped things. Yeah, and I think
5: yeah. the one in uh, over the Great Air Raid was uh, glowing orange. Mm-hmm. They said it was an orange craft. Oh, that's wild. Which is really cool, guys. Anyway, that's the Battle of L.A., um, yeah, yeah so, seventy five years ago. So Riley, why don't you talk about what we did? So fast
4: forward to today. Yeah, so <laughs> we went we went down there with a little field recorder, and this and, was uh,
5: called I believe it was called the uh, Great Air Raid Reenactment, the Great mm-hmm. Air, Los Angeles Air Raid. That was the that was the uh, moniker that they used. It's sure. at Fort MacArthur, which is down in San Pedro, and actually Tyson from Maiden Voyage graciously and, and and we appreciate the heads up. had contacted me because he was selling his shirts there. I wanted to grab one of
1: those. He's like, you guys should come down and check this out because it's pretty well, cool. Well, unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend due to my, you know, broken foot. But uh, you know, you guys took some video. It looked like a lovely, organized event. It, I mean, uh, oh, it, it really was. was it was yeah. great,
4: and it was all to benefit Fort MacArthur Museum. Yeah, and uh, and they had all the, you know, all the sort of like tanks and and trucks and artillery guns, all all you know correct to period and a yeah. bunch of people in full period costume. And they had a, a military swing band playing. I loved that. Yeah. That oh, was it was
5: cool. It was like it was looking cool. at live action, like old school GI Joe,
1: but you just felt like they were missing the point of what well, they were doing. Well, there. So no one know. was interested.
5: <laughs> right. in well, a, we, ca- yeah, we <laughs> came down there and I was expecting like, where's all the merch? Where's right. all this flying saucer stuff? Right. And they ended the night with this really fun, um, uh, Uh, aerial display i mean they were shooting fireworks and they were firing off shells from these giant anti-aircraft you know cannons that they had there and um and i was really hoping they were going to have like an illuminated like ufo flyover or something yeah (laughs) that would be great you would walk around and we're going to play the audio for you after this but you would walk around and you know we kind of quickly realized like he's talking about UFOs here and it felt to me as as well as well uh produced as it was and it was really cool. I mean was, we took yeah. some great photos and yeah. we'll put all that up on Instagram as well and put some stuff up on the Patreon page. Um it felt like it was a celebration of the military cover-up story because mm-hmm. you'd walk around and be like so uh do you guys know about the UFO? And they're like what? Yeah. Or some people would be like uh, there's no UFO. I don't it, want to talk about that. It, they sure. literally would be like, because we, yeah. we were trying to get interviews with people, and they were like, yeah, um, yeah. No, they were like, no, <laughs> well, there's uh if anything, it was a blimp. Well, if you know, anything, it was a Japanese y- balloon. And you're like, oh, wow, I just remembered that there's a whole other world where UFOs do not exist in people's imagination. The yeah. military, people associated with the military, even military reenactors, don't want to go there mm-hmm. and I understand that but it was just kind of like, it was kind of like falling into somebody else's party yeah. and realizing like oh we crashed this party <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: totally I mean it makes you wonder too I mean you know the military collects files on these cases and there must be some you would like to think or hope that there's some black vault Case file about this of of really more of the evidence and data of what really might have taken oh, place. Oh, I'm sure there is, and yeah. uh, I bet that's a treasure trove. Who
4: knows? Yeah, you know that vibe though. It, it almost kind of put me more into it because <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, we're like these like fringe paranormal investigators. Yeah, we, <laughs> what
5: we haven't mentioned yet is that Riley was dressed in full period, like awesome. man in black style. He looked, <laughs> I went all out, you know, he, yeah, which is great because I was just I sort of dressed to just blend in. Like but Bobby not, teenager, yeah, I was like Bobby Teenager. <laughs> (laughs) but uh yeah it was uh yeah you you're right you're like all right cool now you know what game on let's go see if we can find but we spoke to a few people um but nobody other than tyson who was open-minded about the ufo yeah uh, but we did get some good interviews. and spoke to some I- some interesting characters. We did, for sure. yeah, yeah, for sure. It was great. People watching, and you know what? Uh, we met and talked to a bunch of nice folks down there. So, um, I do want to thank Tyson for inviting us down there, and I want to, you know, give a shout out to f- the Fort MacArthur Museum in San Pedro. You should definitely Absolutely. go check it out yeah. on its own. It's a beautiful, beautiful, place beautiful too. setting. Yeah.
1: Oh my god! It's right on this beautiful bluff that overlooks the the uh, harbor. Well it's I, gorgeous. What I love about it too is I think it set the tone for like what you were saying earlier, Riley, is like, hey, you know, at the Bigfoot Podcast Collectors Club, we might be taking a field trip or two. You know what I mean? And right. really making some interesting yeah. shows for you guys to listen exactly. to. to exactly. So th- of. this was our
5: test run. We learned some lessons. We realized we should make sure that there's a little bit more of a paranormal element before we go down there. But you know what? I tell you what, Fort MacArthur cosplayers. You got your own weirdness going on, and you're welcome in our par- our podcast as well. We appreciate it. That's Absolutely, right. Clubhouse door <laughs> is open. Anybody who dresses up in full period costume and to go to a party. We're down. See, that's the thing. I, was, I, I expected more people to be open to talking to us because it's like, well, you put on a costume. <laughs> you're here. You're having fun. Why don't you talk to us? We had a lot of people be like, I'm not going to talk to you.
4: It's
1: almost <laughs> like they were just in character. Like, I know. It was like almost like we had murder, tried to yeah.
5: talk to like military people from nineteen. 19- 1942 and they were like get out of here you know
1: bobcat uh goldthwaite who directed me in willow creek he he made his few rounds um promoting the movie and and uh he said he went to a big foot convention and he likened to when somebody would you know the Bigfooters when they'd start talking one Bigfooter would stand up and well what's the relationship to ufos everybody else go oh shit here we go (laughs) This guy bringing up UFOs with Bigfoot—it's like you know you can't like cross mingle the fields. You know what I mean? It's like people want to compartmentalize. That's when and and they want to stick by their story. Well, that's it.
5: Took us a minute, and we were like, "Oh, this is a military (laughs) reenactors party." These guys do the Civil War. They do the you know they've done like a guy there that we spoke to had done like the French Legionnaire stuff. So you're like, okay, that's. That's what this is about. They're not interested in the paranormal Mm, stuff. They were kind of the outliers, which, again, was fun. Because we did kind of seem like the creepy (laughs) MIBs. Yeah. coming in but we okay got some
4: sideways glances walking around <laughs> with those and i'm like you guys are
5: dressed up come on you are sitting on an old tank
1: <laughs> but, like let's, let's, let's have some fun that radio report that i mean i had never heard that before that was the first time i've heard that that was that was eerie that's very or- orson wellian yeah um, i heard his, that on uh,
5: coast to coast like 10 years ago mm. probably and that's the first time i had heard about it and i just remember playing that going my god, come on. It's all there in the story, in yeah. the reporting.
1: Well, we live in this material materialist world where we're so fast to just uh just chalk that up to uh, oh, well, that doesn't fit in my world paradigm. I'm moving on to uh, you know, desert foliage. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, we're just pretty quick and to And it makes uh, you think too it. about
5: how many wild stories, whether it's they're about UFOs or anything else that are lost and swallowed up during times of war mm-hmm. when, you know, everyone's focus
1: is on a more important well that's, thing. well, that's really when UFO cases started to pick up was during World War II. They called them Foo Fighters, and a lot of these jet fighters started reporting these odd orb-shaped glowing objects uh, fighting along—not fighting along, but flying alongside their uh, their sortie missions. And and not to mention the whole Gremlin stuff, too, yeah.
5: started where a lot of people th- say that, oh, that's just— uh, a nickname for stuff uh, falling apart in these airplanes. Mm -hmm. But some pilots saw some like weird little creatures sometimes, too. We, I I mean, from what I remember, so maybe we'll have to look into that. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to play for you our field report from the uh, 75th anniversary of the uh, great air raid of Los Angeles. And then when we come back, Bryce has brought a collector's item in today that he's going to read a little story from. This is really cool. Sure uh a about a pop rock legend yeah who had a ufo encounter and then we're gonna say goodbye but uh here we go let's uh go out to the field with riley and michael
0: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
2: ...the cowardly sneak attack on December 7th at
6: Pearl Harbor. Congress and President Roosevelt have declared a state of war. As a result, strict security measures are in effect. To you war workers or relatives of servicemen, do not discuss production schedules, troop movements, or types of training. We know the enemy is listening. This is a military installation. You will conduct yourselves.
5: Gates of Fort MacArthur with uh, this gentleman. Uh, tell me your name please.
6: My name is Radford Polinski and I am portraying a sergeant of D-Battery, 3rd US Coast Artillery here in February of 1942.
5: I love it. And uh, what ha- happened tonight on February 24th, 1942?
6: On February of 1942, There was an air raid, and you can hear the air quotes, because there was, in fact, no enemy aircraft in the air, but somebody started shooting, and then everybody started shooting, and there were searchlights and gunfire going up into the sky of Los Angeles, and it was a complete panic over nothing.
5: In fact, there were some casualties, I understand, some people who crashed their cars, some rubberneckers...
6: Also, when the bullets go up, they've got to come down somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if there were some injuries from rounds that went up into the air and shrapnel from exploding shells of anti-aircraft fire that was shooting at nothing.
5: Wow. Now, there is a theory that there was something up there in the night sky that night, something that may have not been from this world. Now, where do you stand on that story?
6: I have no opinion whatsoever (laughs) on whether anything... Uh, extraterrestrial may have appeared in the skies over los angeles in february of 1942 an errant weather balloon an errant toy balloon Mm -hmm. an errant pilot who just didn't have his his lights on it could be any one of those things i couldn't say
5: you sound like an actual official from the military discussing this so you're very good in your in your role Thank you. And what do you do? What's your role here is the, at the gate? Yeah, I see a microphone in front of you, not the one that you're holding.
6: You can describe me as a greeter. I set the stage for the audience. I describe where the people are. They've come to Fort MacArthur in San Pedro, and I give them a speech which sets the tone of the event. It's just after Pearl Harbor, and the situation is very serious. Mm-hmm. And don't talk. The enemy might be listening. Oh, yeah. But be sure to have a good time.
5: Now I see a lot of uh, let's see artillery stationed around the area that we're standing in. There's some spotlights pointing towards the sky, so it seems like we're prepared for anything.
6: There are searchlights all over the place, and one of the fun things about one of the most keenly interesting displays here are the fact that they have restored the searchlights to their full 1940s function, Ooh. including having remote aimings platforms so that you can actually aim the searchlight remotely from a fourth station to the side so you can sight the aircraft through sights on your remote platform and aim the searchlight itself.
5: Now, I said spotlight, and that's incorrect. It is a searchlight.
6: We like to think of them as searchlights because a spotlight is more of a theatrical. Well, that's
5: that's my background. I came up through the theater, so (laughs) when I see a bright light, I, I just assume it's for me. Well, this is fantastic. Now, how many years have you been uh, celebrating this anniversary?
6: Well, in one way or another, I have been coming to Fort MacArthur for various celebrations, if you can call witnessing the recurrence of December 7th and the attack on Pearl Harbor as a celebration. But I've been coming to Fort MacArthur one way or another for getting on 30 years now. Oh,
5: wow. That's that's fantastic. I would imagine the uh, Pearl Harbor... Uh, commemorations a little bit more sober than this one This one seems to be a bit fun I mean this seems like fun People are out here having a good time tonight
6: on Every so often the calendar winds around So that December 7th is actually a Sunday And mm. you come down here And you do chores and maintenance Around the fort And they turn on the radio And you hear that Pearl Harbor is being attacked wow. And it can be a sobering And eerie experience to be on A Sunday, December 7th Doing chores in a fort And hearing your world come crashing into war.
5: Much like I would imagine many of the young men felt and experienced on that day at this very fort.
6: That's one of the reasons we do what we do here. We're not only commemorating and honoring history, but for our own sake, we're trying to feel a little bit of what they felt and better understand what they were going through. That's
5: very cool. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate speaking to you. Have a great night. You're a professional on the mic. We heard your work earlier, and we really, honestly uh, appreciate you speaking with us tonight. Have a good night. Good night. Okay, well, here we are Ooh. at the 75th anniversary of the air raid over Los Angeles, and I am standing here next to the, a model of the USS Pennsylvania uh, talking to Tyson Smith from Maiden Voyage Clothing Company. You know uh, his work from the image that we've <laughs>
7: so
8: <laughs>
5: blatantly borrowed and That's for, right. the, for that's the cover right. of our podcast with, with your blessing, Tyson. We thank you. You know, we love your products on the show. We talk about your patches, your shirts a lot. We've handed them out as gifts gifts on the show for our Christmas special. Oh, well,
8: thank you for doing so.
5: Um, But anyway, Tyson, I wanted to grab you, pull you aside, and uh, talk about this event and talk about your work a little bit. So uh, describe what is going on
8: tonight. Well, as you said, it's the 75th anniversary of the Air Raid over Los Angeles or the Battle of Los Angeles, which is probably the more uh, better known name. Um, we're here actually doing the official release of our new design, which shares the same name, the Battle of Los Angeles. Um, and so that's what we're doing tonight. We just wanted to tie that into the event and kind of make a make a big to-do for it. And the image, uh, we'll put it up on our Instagram, but it, it's, it's, it's got a big honking
5: flying saucer on it. Well, I mean, if that's what you want to see. <laughs> see, this is the controversy surrounding the Battle of LA. Correct, yes. Now, when you look at the photo... Mm-hmm. The old cover of the, I believe it's the L.A. Times. Correct, yes. And the spotlights
8: are pointed at something. What do you see? Oh, man. Well, there's so many options, I guess. Um, are there? Because I think there's only one, and that is a flying saucer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I. For me, personally, I, I enjoy that lore the most. Right. Um, there are other tidbits that surround the story that help me believe that option? Let's talk about it. What are the tidbits? Uh, the tidbits are that um, after the battle was over, uh, there was some finger pointing. The Army said, yeah, there was something that we were firing at. The Navy said, no, there wasn't. Um, and then a few days later, the Navy launched an investigation. They did. Um, they went out beyond the island that's out here. Um, they launched a dive. They actually hired some uh, uh, civilian divers uh, to help them go and search for this thing whatever it was that they thought may have crashed in the ocean oh so they thought they shot something down
5: Possibly. I don't know what the, I don't know what they thought okay. but,
8: but this is this is a story that's passed down from an old-timer to another old-timer that that old timer published on the internet <laughs> in, in the obscure basement of the internet that I ran across one day Got it. and just spent like a week reading all of this. I've
5: been spending
8: a little time in that same basement oh, over the amazing. past few yeah. months. Yeah. Um, so, so they, they, did they find anything? I don't know if they found anything. And I think if they found something, they're not going to tell us. Right. Um, this is a recurring theme yeah, on the show. Absolutely. Um, so, Whatever it was, if they if they found something or didn't, I don't know, but they did, uh, basically tell the uh, the hired hands, the the hired divers, the deep divers, okay, we're done. You guys need to leave, and they continued their search with just the the, uh, the actual military personnel, the naval personnel. Um, that's that's one tidbit that I, I enjoy it. about this story. Um, there's another tidbit that is a little further beyond that. Uh, I think within another six days or so of this, uh, the anniversary of this event, um, the 24th. So, uh, I guess early March or thereabouts, there's another report of a, I think it's, and I, I'm, I've only read this a couple times, but I think it was a merchant vessel that reported seeing a very, very similar size, very similar, um, uh, description, uh, Oh, out over the ocean in the Pacific on, on the other side, way Mm -hmm. on the other side. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Um, And if I remember right, the report, this thing kind of circled the ship for a good while. I don't know how long it was, 45 minutes to four hours, somewhere in there. Um, But the description kind of fit that, so it was almost as if whatever it was may have just said, okay, we're going out beyond and we're just going to keep on going, and this guy happened to see it. Um, And then I heard someone else recently talking about um, they thought there might have been two vehicles or two, two, two whatevers. Ships. Two, things, two whatevers. Two things, Two wing diggies. Yeah. Uh, Whatever it was, came in off the ocean, basically went down uh, across Santa Monica, uh, thereabouts. This is the part I know. Right. Uh, came down, went out towards Long Beach, disappeared over the ocean. Uh, we stopped firing at it, and then it came back overland, back through Long Beach, up through wherever, and then went back out towards the ocean again. So it went over a couple of times. There's a couple of different areas that it says or people say that it covered. Um, and again, on, in that same basement that you and I enjoy so much, uh, there were some other little, uh, descriptions of, of things that, that I really enjoy where people that had volunteered to be, uh, air wardens and watch the sky and that sort of thing, they have these very detailed descriptions of seeing this thing fly over, uh, be it, uh, this, this orange glow, this mm-hmm. massive orange glowing object or whatever, to the point where they say it was beautiful it was amazing um there's another description of it saying that it looked like a shovel like the head of a shovel oh wow uh sort of that's a new one well that one and i i apologize for not knowing the person's name but the art director for the original war of the worlds oh cool was a child when this event happened witnessed whatever that was that flew over and used that for his inspiration to design the ships. For the, the Martian world.
5: ships with the correct like antenna sort of Absolutely. lasers on top? Yes.
8: That's very and interesting. And that's where that sort of shovel shape oh. uh, was inspired. We'll look this up. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure I have the guys. Yeah, need. and there's a, there's a couple of people that have reported that same shovel sort of, uh, I guess you could say, sloped shape to it. Are they going to fly a flying saucer? Are, do they embri- when do I get to see a UFO? That's what I'm here for. I, it, That would be worth the price of admission. Yep. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about uh, your work. You've obviously, you are a big
5: cryptozoologist fan or zoology fan. Mm-hmm. Are you the fan of cryptozoologists as
8: well? Like Lauren Coleman, perhaps? Um, well, Linda we, S. Godfrey? We sell through uh, his museum. Do in, you really? Yeah, in, oh, Port- in Portland, Maine. Uh, he's a very nice guy. Um, and so we do a lot of work with him, uh, you know, just in in the cryptozoology. Okay. And mainly with our patches. Right. Uh, But in that realm, we do. Because you've got a Nessie patch. You've got Flatwoods Monster Mm -hmm. patch. You've got Jersey Devil. Chupacabra.
5: Chupacabra. uh, Mothman. Mothman. Yep. Uh, Sasquatch. And I'm just thinking of the rectangular ones. Right, yeah. And then you also have some other little other fun
8: patches featuring these characters.
5: How did you get into the paranormal, into the
8: strange? Why is this what you wanted to focus on as an artist? Uh, Well, growing up in the 80s, it's sort of hard not to. I mean, you could have you could be making Thundercats patches right now. I could be making Thundercats patches, but I I personally don't enjoy uh, perpetuating someone else's brand or someone else's uh, intellectual property. Um, personally, I feel like I'm smarter than that, and I would prefer to either come up with my own ideas or yeah. um, I guess uh, honor things that already exist or may exist. Uh, so I guess. For me, uh, truth is stranger than fiction. I love so, it. That's great. Awesome. Um, is there? Do you have any uh, paranormal experience of your own? Uh, I have a few. I don't think they're really that great. Uh, probably, probably the best one. You'd be surprised. Probably the best one. I will take any story okay, I this, can get. I've actually shared this with a with a magazine that was that was asking for something similar, but. Um, it's, it's kind of a sad story, but basically... Oh no, uh, is there a dead Yeti involved in this? No, okay, no, good. no. Um, so I grew up in Tennessee, and when my sister uh, was purchasing a house, uh, it was not disclosed to her that there was a murder that had taken place in the home. And, Tennessee, uh, got to change those laws. Yep. Uh, which I think was illegal at the time, but it was a small town, and they were able to get around that. Um, Because nobody asked. Pretty pretty much. Oh, hey, by the way, I love what you did with the place. Has anybody died in here or been killed? That is a good tip when buying a house. Always
5: ask that, yeah. BCC real estate tip
8: number one. Mm -hmm. Ask if anyone's been murdered there. They should just list that when you go to buy a house. No murders. Murder, yes. Murder, no. Yeah, exactly. I'll take it. Murder, Um, yes. I'll take it. Yeah. So my sister bought this house. And it turns out that the the former owner actually killed his daughter there. Oh boy! Yeah. And I didn't really know. I didn't know this when I had first visited the home a few times, um, but I always thought the house was very peculiar because the the carpet in most of the rooms was missing, and the um, the floorboards basically just the plywood flooring, the subfloor. Uh, normally, you, you would when you nail down a subfloor, you would try to nail it in an organized manner that shows, like, these are where the studs run, so we're going to nail there. Mm-hmm. This kind of looked like someone had just taken as many nails as they could and thrown them out and just randomly put as many nails in the floor they, as they could to keep... To, to me, it almost looked like I'm trying to keep whatever it is in the floor. Okay, that was the first weird thing. The second weird thing is when I found out about the murder... Um, And I always had like a weird feeling, but there was the way the house was designed. There was only one restroom and it was down this hallway that passed through that room where the girl was killed. And it was, I'd say, a good 10 or 15 feet away from that. To be honest with you, and even to this day, if I were to visit that house, I would not want to look in the mirror when I was in the restroom. Whoa. I feared looking in the mirror, even washing my hands or doing whatever. I would never look in the mirror. I don't know why. I just never would. And my wife can attest to this, that there was always this eerie, cold feeling of, of just dread when you would go down the hallway into that room. Um, so then, to kind of even make that m- more interesting, uh, my sister had uh, a son while she lived there. And I'm probably telling this wrong because I, my wife always corrects me. There's no wrong way to tell a ghost story. Well, unless you don't actually put a ghost in it. <laughs> And then it's just a story. Well, here, here's the ghost. So um, my my sister had her son, and I forget what's happening. I think she's cooking in the kitchen or something. And she says, or the son comes up and says, hey, can I play with the little girl? And she says, what little girl? And he says, the one that comes to the foot of the bed at night. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, that's really, that happens? That's So that's. That's my ghost story for you. That's the scariest story we've had on the show so far. <laughs> by far. And I don't know if you can. I'll try to find it. I don't know if you can find it. Somebody should find it. Uh, that news story. So you could, like, reference that maybe in. Which one? The, the, yeah, the house. yeah The house? Great. Because yeah, yeah. it was on can, local news. If you can sure. find
5: it, send it to me. I'll put a link up yeah. in the show notes or on our Facebook page. So there you go. Oh, brother. Well, Tyson, we know you got T-shirts to sell. I do, yeah. Um, where can people find your work? How can people pick up your stuff? How can I get one of these sold-out Mothman patches?
8: Well, you can find us. Right now, we actually, we're revamping our website. It's maidenvoyageclothing.com. You can find us on Etsy. It's maidenvoyageco. Same for Instagram, at maidenvoyageco. Uh, find us. We'll be there. Great. So, awesome. thank you, guys. Appreciate it so much. And thank you. Uh, get back to work out there. You got it. All right of you, soldier.
7: <laughs> Thank you, man.
5: So I'm here with Kate. And we're standing amongst 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 a crowd of people.
3: That's that's proper grammar, right, Kate? Yeah, that is.
5: So, Kate, uh, what brings you out to the uh, air raid tonight?
3: Um, it's an event that I've come to every year for the past five years. We
5: are talking to the right person. Yes, you are. Okay, so why do you come here? What what brings you here?
3: Well, for one, I do World War II reenacting, so all of my friends are always here.
5: What 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 constitutes a World War II reenactment?
3: So that's you know, in the South, I read a Civil War reenacting. Mm-hmm. And it's everything. It's the same, but it's World War Two, so it's funner. There's bigger guns, better guns. Right?
5: Are you flying any bombers n- or n- no? But we driving have people who tanks? like to
3: pretend that they do.
5: Right, right. Yeah. Okay. And you, I, I have to mention for, because this is a podcast, people can't see. You are dressed in period costume. <laughs> yes. And uh, have you always been fascinated with the 1940s? I or have actually. Oh, now who's yeah, this guy? <laughs> Wait a minute. He's
3: an asshole. <laughs> Uh, you want this she <laughs> stole somebody's pipe. <laughs> I did. I you got to
5: Look. It you, was
3: empty. What the hell?
5: You're, you're, uh, you would not make a great props master on a television set. No, I would
3: not. No, uh, I would
5: so not. you've been obsessed with the 1940s your whole yes, life. Yes.
3: Uh, my grandfather was in World War II, and it was just something that I grew As up learning mine. about.
5: Yes. yes. It was. Uh, which theater? Was he in the Pacific uh, he or was, was in, he Germany. in Germany? Germany. So yep. it was mine. In my head.
3: Um, My great-grandfather was in a B-24 Liberator and he actually bailed out over Germany and landed just on the American side.
5: Wow. Yeah. Did he ever get to punch Hitler in the face?
3: He did not unfortunately, mm, but we, we all wish he did, Yeah. yeah.
5: Give him a good one right in the jaw. Yeah.
3: Now, seriously.
5: Uh, there's a enough- nut so tonight uh, this is commemorating the 75th anniversary mm-hmm. of the Battle over LA. Yes. What do you know about this battle?
3: Not much unfortunately. Really? <laughs> no, I well, don't.
5: Okay, so basically the gist of the story was all these uh anti uh, aircraft, artillery mm-hmm. guns started firing. at something that they thought was flying over Los Angeles. They mm-hmm. thought maybe it was a Japanese ship because yeah. there had been a submarine attack yeah. uh, off the coast of Santa Barbara mm-hmm. just a few weeks before. I'm sorry. It's like like I
3: said, I have been drinking way too no, much. No, you're great. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that you have said this, it all makes sense. Right,
5: okay. But mm-hmm. some people think... Mm-hmm. That there was actually a flying saucer flying over Los Angeles that night, and are that's what they were firing at. A
3: conspiracy? At.
5: No, I'm not. Okay,
3: because I love conspiracy podcasts. We right? are a conspiracy.
5: Well, we're not a conspiracy <laughs> podcast, but we are a paranormal podcast.
3: So I, this I, I lo- is why we're here. Already, great.
5: So we haven't found anybody here who hmm. believes that there might have been a giant flying saucer. That uh, the army was firing and the navy were firing at that night.
3: Well, honestly, the universe is too large in order to discount that.
5: Yeah, well, take a look at this, for example. I have a shirt here mm-hmm. that I picked up from our friends at Maiden Voyage oh, Clothing Company, mm-hmm. and check out, check this out. See? Yes. Look. What do you think?
3: It's a giant light. It does look like a flying saucer. It really does.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's possible that maybe in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. 75 years ago tonight, some type of alien craft was, fl- was flying over? And
3: uh, You know what? I would say that there are crazier things. I agree. <laughs> yes.
5: Much crazier things. Yes. Like coming to a place where people are dressed in cosplay and nobody wants to talk to me.
3: <laughs> that is insane, and I'm so sorry. It's okay. Honestly, vintage people are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> it's true.
5: Well, so I mean, far. I'm the
7: biggest one himself.
5: All right, uh, Kate, <laughs> thank you so much for talking no to problem. us. No problem. You have a great night. Yeah, this guy's next. Yeah, All no right, problem. thank you so much. No All right, uh, I'm sitting here
7: now. Are you Kate's gentleman's compa- gentleman companion? Hell no. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's your name? My name is Joe Draper. How's it going? Your name's Joe Draper? Yes. Nice to meet you, Joe Draper. Now, what are you dressed as? So right now I'm currently dressed in the class A uniform for 101st Airborne, 501st Regiment, Recon Battalion. Oh, nice. Um, The 501st, that's uh, Darth Vader's personal Stormtrooper Uh, Battalion. You know, uh, but we did it better. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, Unlike Stormtroopers, we're actually able to hit shit. Oh, I like it. Okay, nice. Uh, It's all (laughs) working out so far. So hey, what do, what, I'm what, I'm what brought you here tonight? Uh, just like Kate, I am a uh, reenactor and living historian. Uh, she's over there making noise. I heard her. Um, let, leave it to her. That is quite a laugh. You know, uh, you can't mistake it. Hey, Kate. I'm talking crap about you while you're gone. <laughs> yes. it's <laughs> That's great. <laughs> And we do have an explicit warning
5: on this podcast, so don't worry about
7: Fantastic, it. Fantastic. Awesome.
5: Um, so, yes, so, I sir, do. What, what are the re- reenactments re- you do? And I d- uh, so, so far, I have to say, no. and this is no judgment on your performance, but is this a reenactment of just like a party where a bunch of guys got together, drank beer, and smoked cigarettes no. and stogies? Because I don't see you holding a gun. I don't see you running towards any threats.
7: seems like you guys are just having a good time. So tonight's uh, event is more of a lively event. It's more yes. of a uh, big gathering for those who aren't exactly reenactors but love the time period, right? And for reenactors who to would get like, together, yeah, would like to have a great time, uh, just mingling with their friends. Because when we do go out and do living history, it is kind of time consuming. It is kind of a lot of effort that we have to put towards. So, what to that.
8: Uh, what other
5: reenactments have you done?
7: Um, so. Besides World War II reenacting, if we're just talking my living history career, uh, I also am an American Civil War reenactor with the 69th Irish Brigade. Oh, wow. And I have gone back to Gettysburg for the 150th. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than those two periods of time, I haven't really done anything else. And which side do you fight on? Uh, uh, If we're talking Civil War, it's the uh, Union, which is
5: Thank God. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) A little sigh of relief there.
7: And just busting your balls. I would expect nothing less. Now, uh, when it comes to, did
5: you know the story of the Battle of LA? Did you know that there's a big theory that the that the
7: there was a flying saucer, some type of mothership flying over? So, I'm not a big follower on uh, of the paranormal. I wouldn't say that, but um, more the unknown of outer space, if right. you will. Right. Right. Um,
5: the extraterrestrial.
7: There we go. That's a one way of putting it. Um, I have heard multiple stories. My common or my belief of what were to happen here seventy years ago, seventy plus years ago today, would be more along the lines of a Japanese, whether or not weaponized balloon. Okay. Which they found evidence of in 1944. Okay. Had been launched against the United. Now I'm not. Again, my uh, area of expertise when it comes to this is as an infantryman with the 101st Airborne. But from my basic understanding of how FLAC works... It's actually very difficult to shoot down a balloon. Oh, really? Uh, just like during the First World War, is difficult to shoot down Zeppelins, which right. are
5: similar technology. So we're talking about when we talk about balloon, yeah. we're talking about a giant blimp we're, or Zeppelin style. We're object. not
7: talking so much uh, a Zeppelin or a blimp or something like that, but it is a decent sized balloon to make it from Japan to the United right. States, um, and they're high altitude. So mm-hmm. depending on all sorts of different factors, that could go into reports of you know anti-aircraft fire making looking like it made contact when it actually didn't wow okay and then so you you, it's not a force
5: field cuz in my yeah. mind it's a force field uh, and the shells are just bouncing <laughs> off the force field
7: because let's well, be honest hold, hold that's on. pretty cool i'm going to i'm going to jump the gun on you no a star destroyer did not enter earth's atmosphere i'm not <laughs> saying it was part of the imperial fleet that's what i heard Similar
5: technology. And on that note, we'll wrap it up. All right, thanks, Joe. (laughs) Appreciate it. there you yeah. go that was our trip hope you enjoyed <laughs> cool. it I want to thank Tyson again for talking to us no was, doubt about it he was busy selling t-shirts we roped him away I just saw his new Yeti patch it looks so oh, sick oh dude it's his awesome oh amazing. also his <laughs> wife is lovely too they're just cool yeah, they're cool people awesome. I, I mean I, that
1: shirt's rad um, you can go check it out it's on Instagram right now I'll cool well I got a little collector's item here for you and this is in a uh, Uh, I found this in a magazine. Now, who gave you this magazine? Well, Michael brought this over when I broke my little footsie. And what's the name of the magazine? This is the magazine called uh, The Ultimate Guide to UFOs and Aliens. And And, upon
5: uh, appearance, I thought this could be a little cheesy. No, this is it's, I got this at like a Barnes and Noble off the news Dude, stand, and it's got awesome stories. There is in some it. incredible I stuff might, in here. I remember I had like a day or two before I could come over. I read through most of it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm glad I can't. Well, know. there's a
1: few things that caught my attention, and and one of them was uh, was of the famous Beatle John Lennon. I, did, I You know, I knew he had had an experience before, but this one.
7: I thought he was
1: a rolling. I thought I had uh, some experiences before, but this one blew me mind. Um. So, this one is crazy. Lennon reportedly had a close encounter of the third kind in early 1975, shortly after he and Ono reunited. Illusionist and psychic Yuri Geller said, the the musician told him how Lennon awoke one night to discover a bright white light shining under the couple's bedroom doorway and through the keyhole. Lennon opened the door to find gray aliens scuttling at me like cockroaches. He tried to push them away but they pressed him back into the room with what he described as a telepathic force. Did you say gray aliens? Uh, yeah, alien grays? Yes, to find gray aliens oh, scuttering at me like roaches. Um, the next thing he knew, he was lying in bed with a metallic gold alien egg in his palm. Yoko, I think I,
7: la- I, I laid an
1: egg. I've got an egg in I've me I've got, got an egg, egg, egg Oh no, It's gold. Yes. Lennon gave the object to Geller saying, keep it. It's too weird for me. If it's my ticket to another planet, I don't want to go there. <laughs> Give it to Ringo. Hey, wait, what wh- I want <laughs> Is there a photograph of this egg? No, but I mean immediately my mind starts going, I gotta get a hold of Yuri Geller but and seriously. see if he still has this gold egg. That I, I've never heard this story and that just stands out as one physical evidence given to someone else i guarantee you yoko ono laid that egg
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but how wild is that i mean my god that's so strange yeah um yeah they took a lot of acid yeah let's just just who's to say that the
4: acid didn't
1: open them
5: up now we're not in, hey we're not endorsing a- acid yeah
1: but if Be you're going to do it, LSD, talk but to what if it
5: opens some gateways? <laughs> yeah, some but I mean, gateways. if
1: you're going to visit someone who had an immense impact on uh, society, I mean, you know, Lenin was the guy. I mean, and that was his second, his second UFO. Encountered the first one was a, a a close encounter of I believe the second kind. This one was a uh, a close encounter of the third kind. Second
5: so. kind is <laughs> seeing it. it affects the physical your physical world in some way, like having a scar. Yeah, or,
1: or I, no, a scar is uh, is That'd more be, of a, is that yeah fourth? that's like fourth. fourth uh, kind? Yeah, I, I got to go over the, the there's I, there's five different kinds. The first I, the close encounter of the first kind is just sort of seeing something. The second is. Um, Uh, Here we go. I'm going to look it up right now. Look it up, yeah. but not spread misinformation. I know. God, and you think... You know, it's funny. I
5: got a laptop and Google (laughs) right in front of me.
4: Maybe it was some sort of, like, intergalactic Grammy or something. (laughs) That that would be amazing. We love
1: Sergeant Pepper. (laughs) I don't accept this award.
5: (laughs) We are Team John. We don't like Paul. Right, right. He's got too much of an ego.
1: Yeah, but uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. That's um, an unbelievable. So th- that's so wild. I thought the like actual that. physical object. That's, that's yeah, just like I had never heard anything like that before. Uh, so thanks for that. Magazine, okay, here Michael, we go. That, uh, oh,
5: so, oh, you're welcome. Uh, okay, so the close encounter. This is from Wikipedia. Great, <laughs> the laziest googling job ever. <laughs> close encounters of the first kind equals visual sightings of an unidentified flying object, seemingly less than 500 feet away, that show an appreciable angular extension and considerable detail. So that sounds like the Battle. of ballet um was a close encounter of the first kind mm-hmm. close encounters of the second kind a ufo Event in which a physical effect is alleged. So maybe, so maybe I was right. Uh, depression be, on the sand, or yeah, like, you the know. interference of functioning of a vehicle or sure. electronic device. Animals reacting, a psychological effect such as paralysis or heat and discomfort in the witness, or some physical trace like impressions in the ground, scorch or otherwise affected vegetation, or a chemical trace. Um, so maybe the Battle of La could fall into that Should as well. Check for me. Yeah, <laughs> close encounters of the third kind. You uh, have encounters in which an animated creature is present, mm. like Woody Woodpecker or... Or a white, like these <laughs> beings that he said he saw. Yeah, these, yeah, these include humanoids, robots, and humans who seem to be occupants or pilots of a UFO. Yeah, and then I think uh, extensions of... He- those were J. Allen Hynek's definitions, and mm-hmm. then they got extended after his research. The fourth kind abduction, is event, right? it was abduction. Yeah. Uh, fifth kind is a UFO event that involves direct communication between aliens and humans, Mm-hmm. This type of close encounter was named by Stephen M. Greer's C-SETI group and is described as bilateral contact between uh, uh, experiences through conscious, voluntary, and proactive human-initiated cooperative communication with extraterrestrial intelligence. Guys, I think you need to uh, dumb this down a little. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, this gets a little wild. This is sort of like the sequels when the franchise went on a little too Mm -hmm. long. Encounters of the Sixth Kind, Death of a Human or Animal Associate. Associated with the UFO sighting, although some might consider this as more of a severe example of the second kind of encounter, so cattle mutilation, I yeah. would agree. Close encounters of the seventh kind, the creation of a human-alien hybrid, either by sexual reproduction or by artificial scientific methods. Wow. All right.
1: Which is not uncommon.
5: Yeah, no. <clears throat> um, okay, <laughs>
1: Unfortunately, wait a minute, what <laughs> just gloss right over
5: that. Yeah. I know, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. yep, checks out. Okay, <laughs> checks out. Yeah, that's good. Well, on that note, everybody, um, thank you so much for tuning in to this first ever BCC special. Like I said, future specials will be available on the other side of the patreon wall and we would really appreciate it when we launch at the end of march if you guys could could uh kick in a little kick in a little but listen if you don't want to you're still going to get your show every wednesday the regular feeds it's going to be free
1: uh, but you're just going to get a lot more bonus content. Totally, this is just a great opportunity for Riley, Michael, and I to get together. Yeah, and, you know, because our know, regular a show, exactly. <laughs> a regular show, we have guests and
5: everything, and we're realizing uh, Ugh, we may have, you may guests. have noticed that the three of us are really hitting it off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and sometimes we just want to have a little, little, uh, little boy time. Yeah, yeah. boy true. time together. And we uh, get a
4: little special time with the audience too. That's yeah, you know, it's a little something yeah, exactly. for us to interact this with you guys like, and
6: laid
5: back you know it's like you're in the studio with us and it's that's right cool well, thank you so much for listening uh, we will be back Wednesday with uh, another regular episode uh, in the meantime uh, I want to thank producer Riley Bray my co-host Bryce peace and love uh, peace and
7: love peace and love I don't want that egg and then uh, <laughs> I want to thank Sun
5: Eaters for our music from the song Come Alone this is BCC special and we'll be seeing you very soon nice it's a glowing it. <laughs> egg
4: it's a glowing egg I'm <laughs>